welcome to another episode of Conversation with a Chef. I'm Jo Ritty and I love sharing with you the conversations I get to have with talented and passionate chefs. It's the backstory, if you will, to the food they're putting up. I begin today by acknowledging the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional custodians of the lands and airwaves where this conversation takes place. Land which was never ceded. Land where communities came together to eat seasonally, locally and without exhausting resources. I pay my respects to their elders past, present and rising. Today I'm talking to camp oven guru Ranger Nick. Ranger Nick is a celebrity TV cook on Channel 7 Mates Step Outside with Paul Burt. He, he holds a Guinness Book World Record for the longest damper, is the creator of Curry Kits and he's recently been recognised as a finalist in the environmental business category of the 2023 Australian Small Business Champion Awards. While he doesn't reckon he'll make it to the Sydney Star Casino event in late April, Ranger Nick is pretty chuffed to have been nominated and named a finalist. Living off-grid and travelling all over Australia to educate outdoor enthusiasts and school students about bush cooking and environmental etiquette, Ranger Nick has more than a few stories to tell. We talked about how to control the heat in the fire, roasting silver side, cooking damper, and the best way to look after your cast iron camp oven. I learned so much, and I can't wait to get into the bush at Easter to try out some of his tips. Ranger Nick has an infectious laugh, and he certainly put me through my paces, quizzing me on my cooking knowledge. This was such a great chat, and I wish him all the best at the awards. Is that Ranger Nick? Yes, Joe. How are you? <laughs> Good, thank you. How are you doing? Oh, yeah, just, you're just having a bit of a spell. We've had a pretty big day. Oh, have you? What have you been doing today? Oh, late night last night. You things organised, but yeah, we've been at the uh, Yamba, Yamba Market. Four o'clock start from here, so. Wow, okay, that is early. <laughs> yeah. And how did it go? Yeah, so is it a big market? Yeah, they're, they're the like Yamba Riverside markets that we went to this morning. It's a monthly market. Mm. Great. Well, I, I wanted to start off too by saying congratulations on being a finalist um, in the environmental business category of the uh, Australia Small Business Awards. That's a bit of a mouthful, but that's um, really amazing. And, and what uh, led up to that for you? Yeah. 
Mm. And that took us from one end of Australia to the other, of course. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it was quite a bit of travel. Um, but a lot of fun on the road, of course. Sort of, I don't know, I guess I look at it a bit like getting paid to play. <laughs> I've um I have watched some of the videos of you entertaining, but it's very educational as well as funny. You are very entertaining, <laughs> um, but you're really you're you're sharing a message with people and helping them um to to learn, I guess, how to cook simply in the outdoors. Is that what it is? Yeah, mostly. Um, that's kind of the focus is is camp cooking, mm. camp ovens. Like there's a there's a I don't know whether it's art or how to quite explain it, but it's certainly hit in a big way. A lot of people have taken it up and, and started realising uh, the benefits of it. And while you've got a fire going camping, it certainly takes a lot of, I don't know, a lot of the stress, I guess, away because you don't spend a lot of time hanging around the kitchen. It's, mm. Yeah, set, set and forget type techniques, um, focusing on camp ovens or... And cast iron, I love cast iron, it's just beautiful stuff to cook with. And a very healthy surface as well to eat, uh, cook and eat from. Mm. Um, so yeah, I guess the main focus is that, you know, how to control heat and things like that. To, it's people make it, um, oh, getting a bit of flap about it, I suppose. But it, I try to get it into people's heads that it's not really... It's not something you get wound up over or a big deal at all. It's mm. just about learning that heat source. Yeah, that's that is interesting because um we do a bit of camping, my partner and I, and we do have a camp oven. But I feel like we're a bit hit and miss with um how successful we are. What are some top tips for handling the heat? Yeah, yeah. Look, a common a common thing is people say, oh, you know, it's all trial and error, and you finally work it all out but probably the biggest tip is don't stress out over it <laughs> certainly nothing to stress over mm. um, and have someone else to blame I guess as well. <laughs> so you got your partner to, to blame it all on yes <laughs> <laughs> but look one of the biggest tips I can I can give anybody is learn about that heat source mm. if, if we go back um to the years where the newlywed bride got dragged out onto a station, shoved in front of a combustion stove, an old wood stove, and she burnt the bottom out of every single pot. Mm. Just made a mess of everything. But over time, and I can tell you, I've had some of the most wonderful meals out, out of country kitchens that, you know, the food's just amazing. She got good at it. Mm. And then they introduced electricity. So everyone had to have an electric stove. Well, guess what happened to all her pots again? Mm. Yeah, so, and then we had gas, and now we have induction, but every kitchen, it seems to, with the new heat source, you have to get used to that heat source. So once you can identify um, what your coals are going to do, so keeping in mind that there are different timbers that burn different heats, hold coals differently, um, once you get familiar with that heat source, it takes all the guesswork away. Hmm. Does that make sense to you, Joe? Absolutely, it does make sense. Um, oh, well, you're going to shine. You won't have to blame the old fella anymore. <laughs> well, which, I mean, I suppose it depends where you're camping as well and what kind of wood you've got. But I suppose, yeah, is, is it, what, what's, a, what's the hottest burning or the best? What Do you think there's a best kind of wood to use? You mean like God's gift to 
those who cook. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That would be that would have to be Gigi would have to be right on the top of that list. So Gigi's an acacia, and it's oh. one of the acacias actually. Acacia is actually um, a species that has the most flowering plants in Australia. Mm. More species of acacia or flowering trees than any other species. Mm. So our acacias are right up high, and Gidgee's right on the top of that list. So there's things like Gidgee, there's um, Waddy, which is something you'll find out around Bullia. There's only three stands of, of um, Waddy that fringe the Simpson Desert. Mm. Okay, and in that, for that matter, about about mid. Mid Queensland to mid New South Wales, there's a band of Gidgee that runs along the fringe of the Simpson Desert. So there's quite a bit of it out there. Mm. Um, and just learn to identify that, which is, you pick it up pretty quick. Most people you talk to say, oh, look, we don't have any trouble with camp oven. But we went out into the, around the fringe, around Charleville or Cunnamulla or somewhere like that, picked up this timber, burnt the bottom out of every pot we got. So hot. Mm. So yeah, it's, it's once you pick it up and use it, it's not hard to identify whole what it is that you're using. But there's certainly a lot of hardwoods in Australia that produce great coal. Things like um, the good all rounders and iron bark, cooler bar is way up high on the list. It's right. fantastic. So from one end of Australia to the other, if you're familiar, you'll get uh, good results. So Victoria, they have things like the Murray River Red Gum is one of the better timbers to use down there. Mm. Um, and of course, in that dry band that runs around near Mildura, we get we get the uh, good old Mallee Mallee root. Oh yes, yes. Charlie's a big fan of the Mallee root. <laughs> yeah, so Mallee root. You're down that way. We, right? Yeah, we are. We're in Melbourne, so yes. Yeah, right. Oh, Mallee root's fantastic. Yeah, really good to cook with. So it produces mm. those nice hot hot coals that hold mm. and burn right down to a white ash. Mm. So you know what they're going to do, you know how they're going to perform, all the guest work's gone. Mm. I see what you're saying, yes. And is there a, I feel like I always put too much liquid because I, I feel like I'm simmering, but I saw you putting in um, like silver side with vegetables and it didn't look like there was a lot of liquid. Is that, how do you do it? Right. You've got a lot of moisture there. If you don't overheat the base, 
you can set that and forget it. So mm. once your coals are burned down, your meal's ready. So an hour per kilo, just like any other roast, mm. or even a lovely roast silver side with a wonderful taste, and you haven't boiled the guts out of it and had to put things like vinegar, honey, bay leaf to give it any flavour. Yeah. Okay. Right. That's definitely on the list for Easter camping. Thank you. <laughs> and I saw you putting coals on top, and I know we've tried to do that in the past, but it, I don't know. It always gets really messy. But is that is it best to put the coals on top as well? Look, I would, mean, I would highly recommend not to overheat the base. If you overheat the base of any pot, you just don't something out of it. So. Putting heat on the lid is where you get that nice browning. Mm. So if you're baking or roasting or trying to do your crackle, the lid's a good place to put a lot of the heat. If you need more heat, it's better off up the side than underneath. Oh, okay. Right. So if you refer to what you do in your kitchen at home, it's going to give you a good indicator of what your meal's doing in the camp oven. So I basically say to people, cook with your senses. Mm. So the five senses we have, or actually I say the six senses, the six senses I'm talking about, Joe, of course, is... <laughs> I don't know. It's common sense. Oh, God. Using. <laughs> so start using your common sense and utilise the knowledge you already have and use in your kitchen on a daily basis. Right. Okay. So let's, let's cook a roast in our kitchen at home like, for an example. When we cook a roast at home, we turn the oven on and preheat it to 200 degrees. Chuck your roast in, let it sear for a half an hour, three quarters of an hour, and then turn the oven down to around 140, something like that, 120, and let it cook for an hour per kilo. Pretty common practice. Mm. Now, the beautiful thing about a camp oven is it doesn't have a knob on it, so you can't turn the heat down. But once we've placed coals onto it, what's happening to those coals is they're burning down. So it's losing heat itself. Mm. So I, I don't often preheat the oven. I just dump everything in because it's easier to handle, set it into the coals. It hits temperatures well over 200 degrees in that shearing time. Mm. And for the first half an hour, three quarters an hour, it's a good time to keep a bit of an eye on it. And what we're doing is we're going to look for things that are happening or we're using all of our senses, we're not just looking, but if we were watching it, what might we be watching it for? What would it do in the kitchen at home? Um, burn or bubble or what? Hopefully not burn. No. <laughs> There's going to be smoke pouring out of it, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Okay, and what are we going to smell? Um, hopefully it smells pretty good. Well, if, if, it's, if it's burning... <laughs> But with the burn, oh, yes, you can smell, smell the burn, yeah. We're going to smell the burn. Yeah. Yeah, so our nose is going to pick up on that quite quickly. If we're mm. in our kitchen at home, it's not even a second thought. No. Something's burning, go and address it, get back to what you're doing. Yeah? Yes. So very similar thing. Right. A little bit of a burn is probably not so bad at that start in that searing time, okay? And that's what I like to focus on is that searing time. Right. So on... Not seeing smoke, but I'm seeing steam coming out from under the mm. lid, and I get the pleasant aroma of my food cooking. Mm. What might I hear? Um, bubbling. A 
hissing or hissing? Hissing? Sound? Yes. I, I think yeah. I always hear bubbling because I've got too much liquid. So, yeah, okay, hissing, yep. All right, but even so, a bubbling, I, I, I never put moisture in the camp oven when I do a roast. As I no. Said, there's enough moisture in yeah. there, so I'm not lifting the lid, letting all the heat and moisture out. I'm just setting it, forgetting it. That's right. A, that's okay. a um, technique I like to promote and use. Yeah. It gives me more time out of the kitchen and on the riverbank fishing. <laughs> <laughs> so, what I'm, you didn't think you were going to get quizzed on this, did you? No, I didn't. I didn't prepare for this at all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. But they're common questions, and it's using your senses and the knowledge that you use in the kitchen every single day that you're comfortable with and quite confident with. So, you might as well introduce them to the outdoor fire. So we're seeing steam, we're smelling the food, we're hearing a nice constant sizzling, doing everything that the kitchen at home or the roast in the oven at home would do. Let's just leave it alone and go fishing. And of course we've got touch. Now, I'm not going to recommend to anybody to touch an oven that's going to hit temperatures over 200 degrees. Mm. Okay, I certainly don't recommend that. However, it's exactly what I do. There are options around that. If you preheat the oven, and baking a damp is a good example, we can cover that a little later. Mm. But if I put, um, let's say, a piece of baking paper into the camp oven, what happens to baking paper in my oven at home? Um, that well, it discolours, Joe, doesn't it? does discolour. do you bake at home, Joe? I do, I do, but I don't... Yeah, I suppose yes, it does discolour, yes, yes. Yes. What a wonderful indicator. So, smack over, we've got a nice heat there for baking. It's a good indicator the oven's a nice temperature. Yeah, common sense things that you use in your kitchen every day. Mm. Now, I forgot what I was going to give you trouble over next. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, but you're picking up what I'm putting down there, yeah? Yeah. What do you use in the kitchen every day? So, oh, touch, that's what we were, yes. that's what we were touching on was touch. Yes. Um, so there are ways around that, and, and indicators like paper in there is a good one. Um, some people I've seen set their oven, they do this funny little dance all around it, yeah? Yes. So the insides of your arms, the insides of your legs, the very sensitive parts of your body, it's a good indicator of how much heat is coming off that oven. Yeah. Yeah? So you can get familiar that way. Some people get a, how do I say this, spooker? Do you know what spooker is? No. It's spit. So they grab oh. a big golly and they flick it on the side of the oven. If it goes and jumps off, well, that's a very hot oven. But if mm. it just goes and slides down, probably not hot enough for roasting. Right. Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah. If you don't like the thought of flicking a golly on there, then <laughs> flick your fingers and just flick a little bit of water on the side and it'll give you a similar indication. Yes. Yeah. Personally, myself, I've got used to, because I, I started cooking when I was a small boy. I, I'm, I'm from a, quite a large family. I'm baby of 10. Mm. Um, and if you wanted to see Dad, you were up the paddock working with him. So mid, mid, midday at lunch, we'd light a fire. Sometime mid-afternoon, someone had the job of going and, and um, setting a camp oven for dinner. And then get your sorry tail back here, ring bark and trees or digging post holes. So you weren't to hang around the camp. Mm. So you quickly learn to control that heat or you have a lot of cleaning to do and cock the flack from everyone in the camp. <laughs> so what I learned to do was put the back of my knuckles or the back of my hand, my fingers, just touch the side of the oven. So if I stick my hand on the on, or touch the side of the oven with my knuckles, 
and all my knuckles stuck to the side of the camp oven, that was obviously too hot. Mm. Yeah? If I could touch it and not hold my hand there, just less than a second, just touch it and go, whoa, well, that's pretty hot. That's a pretty good indicator I'm reaching the right temperatures. But if I could hold my hand there for maybe a second or two, especially for the searing time I like to focus on whilst roasting, not quite hot enough. Mm. Okay, so I don't recommend touch. There are other things you can do, mm. but that's a technique that I've picked up from when I was a small boy. Yeah, right. Wow. And um, you did mention damper, and I know you've, one of your cookbooks has got 101 different kinds of damper. That seems like a lot of damper. Um, but do you cook that in the camp oven as well, or do you... I saw in your Guinness Book of Records one that it that was... Obviously, you couldn't put that in a camp oven, but you wrapped that in foil. But what's the best way to do damper if you're not doing 153 metres? Yeah. Mm. Then it's not quite cooked. Mm. How 
many grandmothers have told you that over the years, the scones and the like? No, definitely, a yeah, chocolate cake, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Again, we're going back to knowledge that we already know and we're applying it to the open fire. Hmm. Great. Thank you. You've cleared a lot of things up. I feel like, though, a couple of years ago we used our camp oven um, and we put fruit in it to, and it, it feels like it's tainted the cast iron. Can you get, even though we've cleaned it, is there a way of looking after the camp oven? Do you think we can come back from that? <laughs> oh, look, the best way, yeah, absolutely. The best way to use a camp, it's a bit like a hot plate on your barbecue. The more you use it, the better it gets. It gets a, there's a process or a, a bit of a chemical reaction, I guess, for lack of a better description. I'm not real studious, so I spent most of my time on the outside looking in when I was at school. But, hmm. But um, the process is polymerisation. So any fats, like some butter or oil or, or sewage or anything like that, when it comes to a point where it begins to smoke, it will polymerise. Mm. Okay? And what that does is it puts a layer on the camp oven and seals it off, and it, and it will actually eventually give you a nice non-stick surface. I've got a skillet here that I use most days. I've had it since I was eight years old. My mum bought it for me when I started Boy Cubs. Okay, and it's had a lot of abuse. Mm. But over the years, I've learned to use the, the control the heat well, and it's like a it's like a non-stick surface, so I can fry an egg in it and just tip it off. Wow. So the more you use it, the better it'll actually get. Okay. If you do have an occasion where you've either overheated it and lost that seasoning or polymerisation, or you put things like tomato or, or an acidic fruit in there and it may have um, uh, taken some of that off, don't stress out over it. Either keep using it mm. or give it a very thin layer of oil or fat or whatever you like to use, either animal fats or butter or anything like that, and just re-season it a couple of times and it's ready to go again. You'll have this piece of cookware for a lifetime and more. Can you go right down to your grandkids and keep going? Mm. I've got ovens here that are, oh gosh, over 100 years old. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Good to know. <laughs> And um and now just tell me about your curry kits. Um, do you use those in the camp oven as well? That's for adding adding to stews or things, I presume. Oh, most certainly. What you cook in your kitchen at home, anything, even yeah. pavlova, you'll cook in a camp oven. Okay, so the curry kits were they're a great example of a, I don't know getting back into a corner, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> with, with the five letter C word, I like to call it because I don't like to be rude. <laughs> Um, so the five-letter C word was a real oh, kick in the butt for us, or for me, because it was just three years without an income. And mm. in that time, I went, holy heck, what am I going to do here? Mm. So I happened to be sniffing around and uh, looking in cookbooks all the time, as I, as I do. And right at the back of the, of the uh, bookshelf, I found this dusty, grubby little book that was Grandma's Recipes. And she happened to be an Indian grandmother. Mm. So I started going through it and picked out a few recipes to play with and went, wow, you know what? This is so good. It's better than what I can get at a restaurant. Wow. So I started um, sniffing around and I, and I uh, sourced some great Australian products. So it's all Australian products. It seems a little bit strange, I guess. Indian curries from Australia. <laughs> um, <laughs> a little bit ironic. But I sourced the best quality spices I can get my hands on and put these blends together and simplified the cooking 
sells them to the camp oven around the fire. So you're eating better than restaurant quality meals with no preservatives, all Australian products, simple cooking techniques, and better than restaurant quality. Sounds good. Yeah. How's that sound, It sounds delicious. I can't wait to get out camping. <laughs> yes, have you ever been to India? I have been to India, yes. You have? Yes. It's a good, it's a good, uh, a good um, oh gosh, I've lost the words. He outsmarted himself. <laughs> Here's where you can uh, try the curries and get it in India. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, and I just was, I was interested too in, you know, you're a guru of camp oven cooking, bush cooking and environmental etiquette. What does, um, tell me about environmental etiquette. Uh, that, that, look, that's all come with, well, I certainly have an affinity to the outdoors. So over the years, I've, I've gone from being a labour to having a nasty back injury uh, and what the heck am I going to do? So I actually went to school and studied or to TAFE, and I ended up in the tourism industry and got into a position where I was 2IC in the environmental department for Skyrail International Tourism Management. Wow. Great place to work and a lovely place to visit if you're ever in North Queensland go for a ride on the cableway. Mm. Um, one thing led to another in a um, chain of unfortunate events, I guess. I ended back up in, or back down in my hometown of Miles in southwest Queensland, lovely little spot. Um, and uh, what happened there? I ended up I ended up jagging a job with Education Queensland at an environmental education centre. So the affinity that I had with botany and the environment around me, I got to study and get paid for. So it was absolutely marvellous having that uh, connection with the outdoors. And, and I had to take a different look at it because I guess when you look at our forefathers there were certainly some horrible practices with farming and falling trees and all that sort of thing so now i have much more appreciation and try and pass that appreciation on to people that i meet mm. so in this case what i do now it's a lot to do with i guess um like i get a kick out of botany so i see a lot of humor in some things for example lang lang are you familiar with lang lang Chanel number no. five, one of the most yes. perfumes in the world. Yes. Is made from Lang Lang. Right. Mm. So its botanical name is Pongella odorata. <laughs> which I, I know, right? So I find that quite amusing and that's how I've learnt to remember a lot of things, because I'm not real bright, I'm only a dumb country boy, right? <laughs> so it's nice to be able to uh, talk to people. I think laughing's learning, and mm. especially working with the school kids in an outdoor environment, it was good to get them laughing and having a joke about all these things. They took home a lot more information. Mm. It seemed to soak in than just writing on a blackboard and go one and one is two, two and two is four. You know, so I just find it's a good way to educate people if they're having a bit of fun. So I like to throw things like that in about. Um, different species and trees like Gigi itself actually known as stinking wattle oh yeah, yeah I know right it, and, and it's and it's it, the reason why it's known as that is right before a storm it gets this horrible smell it smells a lot like cat weed actually <laughs> lovely so if you've ever had a con, uh, tomcat squirt up your front door you know exactly what I'm talking about <laughs> so it, 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 that, that's <laughs> that's 
one of the things I did. And it's kind of amusing. It's, a lot of it's irrelevant and useful. It's a useless information, but it's quite interesting and it gets people in. So I try to focus on, okay, while we're out and about, let's not just look for a pretty place to camp. Let's notice what timbers are around because we want to be some cooking and we don't want a hard job. Because mm. some timbers, especially along the east coast, you'll get a nice bed of coals, but as soon as you shift those coals and put them on the lid of your oven, 10 minutes or so, they go out. Mm. They lose all their heat. Have you had that happen, Joe? Yes, I have, yes. It's very frustrating, and it's a lot of work trying to keep coals up to your oven. Yes. So there's other techniques that you can use with that as, as well. But it's a good a good example of you know getting to know what's around you and take more notice, like the sights and sounds, those sorts of things. People are so caught up in their day-to-day rituals or grind, if you will, mm. but they forget to turn their senses on when they get out camping. And they miss so much. Songbirds when you want to listen, wildflowers when you want to see. Uh, so they miss a lot. So I try to say, you know, and leave it as you find it. There's, there's, a, there's a, environmentally, I mean, sure everyone's heard it, but, you know, take nothing but photos, leave nothing but footprints. Mm. So every time I drive away from a campsite, I always like to look back on it and I get much pride when I can look back and say, gosh, you can hardly see that I've been there except for a, you know, 18 inch round patch on the ground where I've lit a fire. Mm. And then we get into fire. So we got, that's another big issue. A lot of people have the fear of fire and it can be very scary and dangerous, I, I have to say. So learning to control that environment and knowing where you actually can light a fire within national parks or freehold land or caravan parks, wherever you're travelling and like to stay, uh, free camps, all that type of stuff. Mm. Let's leave it so that we make minimal impact. So good timber is a good example. I don't need a big heap of wood if I've got good timber, so I don't need a roaring fire. Um, and I'm leaving nothing behind. So mm. it's, it's a practice that, that I'm... I, pride myself on, the less I can see where I've been, the better I feel that I've impacted the, or haven't impacted the, the um, environment. Mm. No, instead th- of revenants getting in your four-wheel drive, well, how about let's make sure we've got traction so we're not driving with our right foot so much. Yes. Sometimes it's unavoidable, but just little things like that. So, you know, take a little bit of notice of what impact you do have while you're out yeah that's I think that's really good advice and um we and we are lucky to have so much um in our back garden so to speak even from the big cities it's easy to get out into some really beautiful places and as you say it's important to respect that as well absolutely respect what's around you and respect others as well yes don't go starting your damn generator at eight o'clock at night thank you very much oh I know they're terrible aren't they Yes. And people say, just don't you get a bit scared out there all on your own, you know, don't you have a fear of what might be there? I say, well, don't you have a fear that he might be camped right beside? 
<laughs> yes, yeah. that's right. And another, another good little tip, and I don't really, well, I shouldn't give this one away, but I'm going to, because not many people um, have the guts enough to do it, but I often, if I'm stuck, I'll have a look for a cemetery. Cemeteries are great places to camp. There's fresh water, there's a toilet. Yeah, look, I'm... <laughs> I'm not sure that I could do that, but you're quite right. <laughs> and, uh, well, look, thank you, um, Ranger Nick. This has been, I've learned so much just from our conversation. So I'm, I am, um, we are going camping at Easter and we're going to put all these things into, into practice. Um, all the best for the 28th of April. That's, is that the night you're going? Is that when the... I'm not sure that I'll be able to attend. Oh. Um, we have got a fair bit on starting April. We'll, we'll be heading down to Kurion first, actually, for the Manson Snowy River Festival. Oh, yes. Great. Yeah, so that's a, that's a biggie. And, and, yeah, we've got quite a bit going on there. So I'll either be exhausted and what have you. And I, I'm not sure that my um, lovely PA has actually booked tickets for that, uh. to be honest with you. So I'm not sure if we'll actually be attending. No. But I'm certainly looking forward to see how I went and, and uh, hopefully I'll end up with a trophy from it. We'll see how we go. Well, it's a really great achievement already and um, I feel very lucky to have got to have spoke, spoken to you today. So thank you for your time. I hope you can put your feet up and relax now. Absolute joy, Joe. It's been a pleasure talking to you as well. Thanks for the time on the air, and well, I guess all I can say is I'll see you when the mud's dry, and I hope to see you around a campfire one day. <laughs> Great. <laughs> all right. I'll let you cook if you like. Oh, thanks. Sure. <laughs> yeah. so a lot of my mates actually say to me before I go, I'll sneak this in. A lot of my mates now say to me, "So you like cooking?" And I go, "Well, not necessarily that I like cooking, but I like eating." <laughs> That's right. <laughs> all right. Well, all the best. Thank you very much, Joe. You have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Conversation with the Chef with Ranger Nick. You can go to www.rangernickbushcook.com for recipes and videos. If you liked what you heard and you want to hear about some other chefs, I'm on Instagram at Conversation with a Chef, and you can read the chat at www.conversationwithachef.com. I would love it if you told a friend about my chats and you can follow me on Apple and Spotify podcasts. Once again, thanks for listening and have a wonderful day.